On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our interview with Howard Yu. It is the responsibility for everyone to help the company to be more innovative because trying something new is, although it's scary, but if not trying, you never can make a decision based on evidence and we don't even know what we don't know so whether you are in legal or finance or, or manufacturing if you missed part one please go back and and listen to that um howard like we introduced in part one um got your doctorate at harvard you're, you're teaching over at im uh, D, the swiss business school you're working with these big major brands like mars and electric lux you got this great book out called Leap. Um, what we didn't talk about, though, is the thinker getting on the radar for the Thinkers 50. That's a big deal. Thank you. When, it was quite an interesting situation, and, and, and I was delighted to be on the list. Yeah. How, how did you find out? Um, so it's interesting that I did not know that they put me on the list. And, and I just found out because a colleague who is like monitoring the social media space and told me the news. And, 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 and in many ways, Thinkers50 is sort of an organization that ranked business school professor according to the output and how much their idea can bring into bear uh, for, for practicing manager to have an, an impact onto their businesses. So when I was told about this, uh, this, this honor, I was naturally very delighted. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and, uh, you know, in our first episode, we were talking about Clayton Christensen, who was you know, the thinkers 50 number one for what, four years in a row for many years. Yeah. So it's gotta be fun to be, uh, feel like you're following in mentor's footsteps there. (laughs) Thank you. So, um, I want to talk about, I want to go deeper on the concept we were talking about in episode one, this idea that, uh, and I think that, you know, you need to trademark this term, think around the box. I'm I'm (laughs) planning on plagiarizing you until you trademark it. So I think this is great. I've, because people say think outside the box, but but it's so vague, it's not very operational. And mm-hmm. what I like about your idea of think around the box is, yes, you need to differentiate, and this needs to be something that your competition isn't doing that that uh, you know delivers on some sort of competitive advantage you have. So it's it's outside the box, but it's but thinking about what's next to your box is kind of the way I interpret what you just said. And yeah, and I loved your Lego example, this idea of doing movies and you look at like the Lego theme parks, they're like as good as Disneyland these days, right? And you said, hey, it's, it's okay to have low margin things that support our high, our, our high, our high margin core offering. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any other, do you have another story like that? Another example that comes, comes to mind of somebody who thought around the box and, uh, and right. delivered? Right, right. I mean, 
the other the other good uh, a, a very classic example you can think about is almost like you know the first Apple iPod and and I like this example because when once you bring it up everybody can kind of understand uh, you know iTunes interestingly uh, as a complementary or adjacency offering uh, doesn't deliver a lot of profit for Apple in the beginnings of its life cycle because Steve Jobs really need to pass on all the profit back to the big record label because otherwise EMI and you know Sony Music is not gonna not gonna let Apple to strip away their album and have 99 cents per track kind of pricing strategy so almost close to 80% of the revenue go pass back onto these big uh, music label. Now, but if you think for a moment, if there is no iTunes, then nobody's going to buy iPod. Is There are plenty of MP3 players around the market already, right? There's Creative, there's um, the other brand, Sony. They all sell an MP3 player, but without content direct to have that seamless customer experience. Only Apple can do that. But they need to grow on a side market called iTunes. They need to invest a lot of money, and yet on its own, it's not going to deliver much profit in itself. But it helped to position iPod on a very different playing field. So, so I guess the key question here is how do managers think about from a customer experience, right? Every innovation needs to start from customer and work backwards. And that's what Jeff Bezos always say. And that will allow us to think about hmm, if these are the critical pain points, how do we provide this holistic experience providing all this adjacency offering to resolve these customer pain points. And along the way, hold accountable for manager across different KPI because different adjacency does serve very different purposes. Yeah, so let's let's break that down. This idea, because um, you covered a number of concepts that need to interrelate there. Um, when you think about this idea that that they need to support the, the key performance indicators of the organization, um, but maybe they don't need to hit the same profit margin because they're here in support. They're not the core offering. They're here to support the core offering. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about, you know, folks at senior, like the CEO or, or senior management embracing this and then how they get the rest of the organization to start thinking this way. Um, do, you have, do you have thoughts about how those processes might be similar or different? Yeah, I mean, um, so this is where I think a balance between financial discipline versus strategic thinking really comes into play, right? Um, Particularly when you enter a new adjacency in the early phase, the kind of objective and KPI needs to evolve over time. So I'll give you a concrete example, uh, which is also contained in part two of the book. I kind of looking at the largest... Uh, social media app in China is called WeChat that everybody use. And interestingly enough, for WeChat, they make very little money. Unlike Facebook or Instagram, they have an advertising kind of business model. For WeChat, they really don't have anything around that. So that on its own is pretty much not making much money. And, And yet their parent company called Tencent, which is making a huge amount of money, is really a cash machine because they provide content. They have mobile phone app, they have movies, short movies, and things like that. And what they discover over the years, once you have the biggest app in terms of social media, you control the consumption channel. So you need to play game using WeChat. You need to consume movie based on WeChat. And because it's vertically integrated, as a result, whatever get 
generated upstream get consumed downstream. So as a result, they capture the customer profitability end to end. Now, the funny thing, of course, if they were to push WeChat to make money from day one, then the user base would be very severely limited and they would probably go into an advertising model of too much distraction and the user interface will not be so useful anymore. And as a result, they won't be attract such a big customer base. When you think about um, going back to this example here of capturing the market with the social media and then being able to provide the high margin opportunity, the apps, the movies, the, the things, because you've captured you've captured the attention there it, it's interesting that you know the it could feel like the obvious choice is we'll just do what facebook does and become a become an advertising platform right but in a way they they really have a different capability that's likely um harder to copy to be a content machine or or how do you interpret that yeah, it's sort of like, you know, the, the kind of Netflix strategy in hindsight, if you're looking at that. Netflix started off as a content online distributor, and now they're having their own studio and providing content. Same thing as Amazon, they're building their own studio, going back backward integration. And so is this idea for Netflix, the reason that they need to enter the content provision is expensive. And if you think about content provision, uh, it, it's going to be asset heavy. You need to hire producer and so on. The reason they do this is that's the only way that can cement the leading position as the biggest online distributor for movies as well. So, so it's actually not just a Chinese unique phenomenon, but there are many times that we've got to think about what's the purpose around this adjacency and working across. So going back to the WeChat example, they have KPI, but it's never about revenue. It's not even about uh, uh, profitability, but it's everything to do with if we launch a new product features tomorrow, how many new users would pick it up these product features? If we were to form uh, a strategic partnership with Starbucks, which they did, if we bring them on board, would there be more users using our app or not? So over time, they really think about this issue, but their only KPI for WeChat is about user base versus in Tencent, the headquarters is all about profitability. So it's this kind of extreme example really can challenge our existing thinking for many of the uh, existing company on how to manage adjacency and co-offering and so forth. That's interesting, right? Because it's so easy to feel like financial discipline applies to everyone. And if somebody gets too out of whack fi financial discipline wise, it can take everyone else down and and yet that can obviously become short short sighted if you create the if you if you lose the toehold on the market right if you if you have that as an absolute requirement for all staff in every division no matter what in almost an unthinking way it can you know it's it can lead to opening up the market for others to come after your space huh that's right. And there's a second lesson learned here as well, that um, the fact that WeChat cannot just copy the strategy of Facebook or Instagram, it really highlights the importance for companies, managers and executives to think for themselves. These days, we are really bombarded with different school of thoughts and many best practices being set out there. And the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, we're going to copy wholesale of a best practice. What we've seen here is, 
learning from others is critical. Getting inspired is critical. But more importantly, is to selectively import some of the element so that you actually achieve the strategic goal that you set out for yourself. Yeah. Let's take a quick break here. Hear from our sponsor, and then I have a question about how leaders can help everyone in the organization start to think this way. So we'll be right back. Okay, so Howard, right before the sponsor break, um, I brought up the mm. question, how if, if leaders have started to think for themselves, and they're not just applying a KPI or a measure across everyone unthinkingly, and they are being smart about how that probably needs to apply most places, but for this division that's going to help us secure more of a toehold in the market, you know, yes, we can be more flexible on our required margin of, of an offering we create or whatever, whatever it is. As you think about, um, you know, the first, first we need senior leadership and the people, you know, steering the ship here to, to have bought into this and to be thinking for themselves. But when it comes to folks who who've worked for years or possibly decades in the old way of thinking, do you have any thoughts for folks who want to help everybody right to the front line, you know, the associate level, start to retool their thinking this way? Right, right. So, you know, sometimes we do have this interesting uh, image that innovations start from some genius who labor in the dark room for, for, for decades and all of a sudden this is the brilliant idea and innovate and, and big big bang outside but what we've seen is you know for company to really leap to the next knowledge discipline it does require a very systemic mode of doing a lot of experimentation in fact it is the uh it is the responsibility for everyone to help the company to be more innovative because trying something new is although it's scary but if not trying you never can make a decision based on evidence and we don't even know what we don't know so whether you are in legal or finance or, or manufacturing you're thinking about artificial intelligence right there are so many ways of deploying differently it is the role of every functions and level and try things out so that once you see concrete evidence that this is the way to go then you could have an engaged conversation with the senior management team to think about where to allocate resources. So step one, I think, is for the organization to establish the right environment so that everyone can try to do something differently. Sort of the Google mantra, right? Everyone would spend sort of a 20% of their time, may not be as much for most company, but really trying to do something differently. So that's number one. Second is for senior management team to make decision based on evidence rather than opinion. And this is why things like rapid prototyping, small-scale experimentation becomes very critical. Because that's the only way to shine some light into our dark ignorance. So I think it's the combination of both that really allows company to leap forward. And so it is not just speaking to the innovator, the futurist, but in fact, everyone at large um, needs to embrace this thinking. Well, I, I love that you brought that up because you think about, you know, the way the manufacturing industry, guys like Frederick Taylor imp impacted <laughs> all of our Western thinking, even though most of us don't know that that's where it came from, right? This idea of, hey, I'm not you know, I'm just hiring your hands. There's the people who think around here and the people that do, and I'm the people who think, and you're the people who do. So just mm -hmm. be quiet and do what I told you. Right? right. And, you know, decades of talking about it, not being that way 
still haven't quite changed the attitudes, right? There's a lot of there. If there's not an intentional program to counteract that, it's, it's a, such a right. pervasive attitude. And yet I, I'm glad you brought up such a tangible example. We've had folks from Google on the show and they invited me out. I got to go do tours there. And, um, you think about the way that it's like, it's, it's calendared. It, it's not like some vague thing that got brought up in the Sunday, in the Monday morning meeting. Hey, make sure to be uh, innovative this week. And, and we want you guys to fail. You guys should be failing at something once a month. Okay. Back to work as usual. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they actually have time calendared for it. They actually have the meeting calendared where they're going to review what you did on the free mm-hmm. time you had to invent something. There are left and right limits. It's not, it's not a free for all. It's, you know, it's within these boundaries. It's within, it's, it's within reason of something that Google could deliver on. Right. And, That's right. And, um, and it's almost like those constraints actually give people some guidance of like, Hey, this is something that, you know, this is something that would need to make sense for Google to get into business. Like manufacturing a Procter and Gamble mm-hmm. Me Too soap is probably not something we want you spending your twenty percent on, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, I, I'm glad you brought that example because I was trying to think of, I was trying to think myself of, you know, what does that actually look like and and tangibly what's something a manager can do. And so that that example makes me think. Well, yeah, schedule the time. And the other factor there is that it's everyone, right? It's not just senior leadership. This is a, you know, let's have everybody bring their brain to work type of approach. Yeah, I, I think this idea of leveraging the wisdom for from everyone, rank and file, is really critical. The reason I said that is even at a place like Apple, we tended to think Steve Jobs is the is is the sage who invent everything. But from the uh, from the book called One Device, through very in depth documentary, a lot of this idea actually doesn't come from Steve Jobs alone. In fact, he hate to launch an iPhone. Is his Direct report keep on championing that, and all the technologies from multi-touch screen and all of these gesture is not invented as claimed by Steve Jobs himself. In fact, it's multiple experiment going on around Apple already that Steve Jobs simply recognized these are good idea and put them into the iPhone. So if nobody's experimenting, there is almost no raw material for a company to innovate at all. Um, so, so it does require everyone to understand what are some of the seismic shift around us, no matter what kind of function you're in, and try something new all the time. I love it. Can, can you give us that book title one more time? It's Leap. Oh, oh, the the book that um about the Apple, uh, the Apple yes. story is called the One Device. It really document. Um, how the iPhone came about and 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 its history and and I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's yeah, almost it. like a the the book author is Brian Merchant, the one device, the secret history of the iPhone. Well, it's funny because the media loves to promote um, the lone hero, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the, the the tyrant with his thousand helpers who <laughs> has single handedly changed the world with a little bit of support from some secretaries. Do you know what I mean? And minion mm-hmm. and minions. When in reality, you look at it's like not the case. You look at the most high performance teams, and yes, there may be an individual that stands out, but it's a team effort. And uh, you look at I don't know <laughs> for for a more trite example, like uh, Michael Jordan. If anybody right. ever listens to his um, his basketball Hall of Fame speech, he 
the like one of the very first things he acknowledges as he gets up there, he says, "Hey, every photo you just saw of me up there, you notice that Scottie Pippen was in every one of those photos." And that's great. And as much as the media wants to make it that Michael Jordan was the '96 Bulls, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is the one up there saying, "I was not the '96 Bulls. I was one." Right. Of, you know what I mean? Uh, which right. requires some humility on the part of the leader when everyone else is trying to make you the special one, right? That's true. That's true. And um, we are all human, right? If you listen too much of uh, deceit, you start to believe in it. And I think that's partially is also attributional error because psychologists always tell us we humans tend to make a uh, wrong attribution. When, you know, things look good, we tend to attribute to your own credit. I must have worked <laughs> hard. This is why it's great. When things doesn't work out, then you blame the market. The economy is down. You know, the weather is bad. And, and so it's very natural that we tended to create this myth of heroic manager uh, who come up with this brilliant idea, the light bulbs went off. But in fact, it's much more nuanced. Well, and no wonder, you know, the the folks who are ambitious and want to lead an organization, they want to be like the people they read about, which happened to be an error in what they were reading, right? (laughs) And so it's almost like, it's almost like there's a competitive advantage to embracing that everyone type of mindset right because most other folks are pursuing the me 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 mindset right and 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 related back to where we start because we are talking about how company can continue to prosper in almost sort of an accelerated change right the things changing around us is faster uh copycat competition the product life cycle is getting shorter and and in order to innovate you really cannot do command and control. Command and control works when you know everything, and everything you know is complete and relevant. But when you try to innovate, there's just so much dark space, you don't even know what you don't know. Then in that scenario, command and control never works. And this is why this bottom-up process of uh, encouraging and creating the environment, everyone do have a role to innovate, to bring in the raw material for the senior management team to review, to invest or stop and go forward, that becomes even more critical in today's uh, day and age. And and there again, it just makes me think of humility again, right? Because mm-hmm. that would be folks who have big salaries and big titles having to get honest about the fact that they're not the only smart one. You know, and that, yeah. and that it could be somebody who's brand new to the organization at a low paying junior title that has the fresh set of eyes or, you know, it, it really does take a, an interest in results over ego to do that. Don't you think? Yeah, this is exactly what a legendary CEO from Intel, uh, Andy Grove, he said, every time we did it right is because of the knowledge power, people who actually know stuff triumph over positional power, the people at the top, or simply the highest paid person's opinion. I think that carries a tremendous amount of wisdom. I love it. Well, listen, besides people going to howardyou.org, which is howardyu.org, or going to Amazon and buying a, a copy of Leap, I mean, I know you, you write for Ford's Magazine and Harvard Business Review, and I'm sure you're on social. Um, are those really the best place coming to your website or what's the best place for people to get yeah, the there book are, or follow you? There are, right, right. So there are many, many resources that are posted on my official website, just like you described, howardyou, one word, 
org. So that's H O W A R D Y U O R G. Or、uh, connect me on LinkedIn.、Um, you can find my profile. Simply put Howard Yu. I'm the professor of management and innovation at IMD. And there are plenty of resources. Regularly, I post things online so that we can. Uh, stay in touch, and、um, yeah. So the book is also available in audible form because these days people are busy. We don't have time to 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 sit down and read a book, not necessarily. But、um, I find audible version is always very helpful. Yeah, now you're speaking my language. I love it. Well, thanks again for for making time for this. Always,、oh, absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. You bet. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six inch meatball marinara, cold cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Subway. Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.